America. Her greatest enemy, her greatest asset, and her greatest opportunity. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me this morning to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34. And I, you know, you probably don't even have to turn it. You probably know exactly what it says. Because we've, we've, we've said it so many times, I'm sure. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. This was imparted to us by Solomon. When you begin to read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 10 through Proverbs chapter 24 is actually wisdom for all people. These short couplets are what are commonly recognized as Proverbs. They cover a wide range of topics. The first section was written by Solomon. The next two sections were written by others, but collected by Solomon. These sayings give people practical wisdom for godly living at every stage of life. So if you're not sure where you are, I want to encourage you this this week to read Proverbs chapter 10 through Proverbs chapter 24. It's quite lengthy. But everything that you have faced or everything that you're facing and all the wisdom that needs for your stage of life, you're going to find it right there. And I'm telling you, it's, it's pretty incredible. There was a phrase given some time ago that, a cry actually, that roused the forefathers to fight for liberty. And many of you may know it. Give me liberty or give me death. Where it seems today we want to have all the liberties, but death? No. Nobody wants to die. Rather, we have become a nation not under God, but we have become a nation of people who have our own agendas. And none of them line up with God. Perhaps not since that outcry in America have we stood so close to the choice. When you begin just to contemplate all that has taken place in this great nation of ours, I stand in wonder. I stand in wonder. Are we truly one nation under God? It's in our flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag. And when you say that pledge, it goes into that we are one nation under God. I thank God for America. I thank God for America every single day. Certainly God has raised up this nation for his purpose, including missionary activity. But you know what I ask God for every day? I ask God to let us be free until Jesus comes. And if he doesn't hurry, I'm afraid some of our freedoms are going to be lost. 
We find that because we see what's going on in America today. We see how many liberties are, are being taken advantage of. America, the world, in great peril. People often say to me, what is her greatest enemy? What is America's greatest enemy? In Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? America has many enemies. And I'm not just talking about outside of this country. I'm talking about within this country. It has many enemies. I know I shouldn't say this. It's probably political or something. I'm not sure. But, you know, some things ruffle my dandruff. And maybe yours too. I'm not sure. But I love the Olympics. I love to see the best that America has. But to see somebody stand and turn their back on the American flag, it's not about them. It's about God. When you live in a country as great as America, how can you turn your back on the flag? I, 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 I tried to ravel my mind around that when I thought about that. And I thought, who is the real enemy here? Well, we know who the real enemy is. The real enemy is Satan. Satan, he discounts the importance of God's word. We find that in Genesis chapter 3. Remember when Eve was in the garden and she was going up to the tree that she was supposed to stay away from? And who did she meet at the tree? She met the most subtile reptile, the most evil thing in the garden, and that was Satan. And he coerces her into taking the fruit which was good to eat, good to taste. She wouldn't die. Surely he didn't say you would die. You see how he twists words to make them sound really good. And you know what? We live in a society today where people are constantly twisting the word of God to make it sound pleasurable to them. I can do this because God loves me anyway. God loves me for who I am. It doesn't matter whether I'm gay or straight. God loves me. He does. He hates the sin. See, that's where America falls out. They, they've, they've grasped the thought. They've been given the idea that, yeah, God loves everybody, and that's so true. But what they don't want to hear is about their sinful nature. Nobody wants to hear about their sinful nature. Nobody wants to hear what they have done is wrong. They don't want to be shamed. He discounts the reality of God's judgments, the moral decline. See, people think, well, it's okay. I mean, when you have an evangelist that will go on TV and say that, yeah, there, there, there'll be homosexuals in heaven, poof, hello. It couldn't be further from the truth. But they, they speak it. And if I told you the person's name, you, you'd understand. You, you'd probably remember the TV episode or the, the, it was on the news. 
He distorts the values of God's blessings. God blesses us in many ways, but yet he tries to rob God of of what he's given us. He displays the so-called benefits. Everything I have is from my creator. I know that. But there's a world out there that says God hasn't given them anything. They've worked for everything that they have. Everything they've got, they've they've managed to, to get in themselves. But if God took their air away, where would they be? You see, everything comes from the creator. America is weakened by sin. I, with all my heart, all my being, so want God to bless America. But my great concern is the amount of sin that is running rampant across the nation that we live in today. Because we're a nation who's no longer focusing on God. We're focusing on our own political agendas. We're focusing on our own agendas. And what's important to me, not what's important to God. But in Proverbs chapter 14 and 34, where it says what I read to you a few minutes ago, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to many people or any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. That is meant to say God looks upon this nation that worships him. They left England for a purpose. People are leaving other countries and coming here for another purpose. We have the ability to worship God openly and freely without being criticized or being told that we can't. Amid this sin and the lasciviousness, there is a godly remnant in the midst of a nation that's has sin running so rampant. There is a righteous remnant that seeks to please God, to honor Him, and to desire His approval. I could probably ask you this morning, and every one of you would probably raise your hand, if I said, how many of you intently try to please God in every way that is possible? Raise your hand. You'd probably raise your hand. Because most of us in this room want to worship the Lord. We want to do what is right before God. We want to do everything is right. None of us want to stumble. None of us want to fall. None of us want to fall into sin. We want to do what pleases God. Why? Because everybody wants to please the Father. As children, we desire to please our parents. As we became teenagers, we became rebellious. We started pushing the envelope and and the buttons to try to make things happen our way. All of a sudden, things begin to turn. You know, we did a parenting class many years ago, Virginia and I. And I told the parents that were attending this class, I said, the problem with your children are, and immediately, as soon as I said those words, the eyeballs got as big as silver dollars. 
the pastor, he's attacking my child. How dare he do such a thing? I said, the problem with your children are you. Oh, <laughs> the daggers came out then. I thought, man, if they could just push me into a coffin, I could have got right into the ground real smoothly. I said, the problem is you have taken the children, the wrongs that you, you liked all the little cutesy things, but as they started growing, it wasn't so cutesy. You took the tornado effect, and what you did is you turned it upside down. And you gave them all this liberty when they were little. And as they started to grow, you started to pull in the reins. And you know what happens when you start pulling in the reins? Rebellion starts to happen. You see, the strongest point of a tornado is the small cone that hits the ground. That's what does all the damage. When it's wide open in the clouds, it's, it's not doing anything but sucking in air. You see, and so as, as that twister goes and it gets more volatile and more, more, more contense and more compacted, it does more damage because the wind speeds pick up as you go toward the ground. And so it does a lot of damage. And see, as parents, we, we want to we wanna just not have a lot of strife from our kids, so we give them all these liberties when they're little. And as they start growing, we start to try to pull in reins, and all of a sudden, it starts causing a lot of damage. But the parrot who starts right, who starts with the strong winds at the bottom, and they start trying to get the child to understand how things work as a young child, as they start to grow, you start giving them more liberties. That's how it's supposed to work. I always promise to try to not talk about my daughter in church, but... As a, as a young baby, her mother taught her that when we went to other people's houses, you don't touch. You don't, you don't touch anything. And so every time we went to somebody's house, they'd say, well, they, 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 one person we went to, they said, we picked every, you, you can bring Chelsea, we picked everything up. I thought, well, that was really nice. She'll have a clean house to go to. I said, but she wouldn't touch anything anyway. We've been to people's houses that had things under coffee tables and under end tables that were worth hundreds of dollars and she would never touch. Why? Because it's how you raise them. And as they grow, all we can do then is start to pray for them. See, so we got to give them instruction God gave us all instructions when we came to him for the first time, right? When you came to the Lord, this great weight was lifted off your shoulder. So you came to Jesus by faith. And so then Jesus begins to take you as his little child. And he begins to teach you and train you and show you how you're supposed to live. He gave you the book of Proverbs so that you can deal with everyday living and know what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. And, and as you continue to grow, you continue to take in the word and you continue to know how to stay away from sin. You know, God made a way of escape for you. So that if you are tempted, you can flee from it. But as you grow, these things begin to be an act, active part of your life. You see, righteousness and its value to a nation is, is, is of great wealth. Righteousness brings wealth and blessing from God. You see that in Deuteronomy chapter 28. When you have time this week, take a look at it. Righteousness 
that withholds the judgment of God. Look at Lot. In Matthew chapter 24, it says, for the elect's sake. You see, all of us are looking for the opportunity. All of us are looking at America as its greatest asset because of the freedom and the liberties that we have. But all of this came at a cost. I understand the men and women across America that have died for our freedoms that we celebrate today, but I also know that Jesus died for my sins, which helps me to understand how important the freedom of this liberty I have really is. But in Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, if you want to go there, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seal thereof. For thou wast slain and has redeemed us to the glory by the blood out of every kindred and out of every tongue and out of every people and nation. America, her greatest opportunity is the word of God. When I look at this, I just begin to see the scene from heaven. The reason they're there is because Jesus died on the cross for their sins. We have a land of opportunity here, to not just to share with our family and friends, but to share with the world that Jesus Christ died for us. The opportunity to hear and to heed and to herald the gospel message that Jesus has for us. You see, all of us, we, we take for granted, I think, a lot of times when we begin to think about church on Sunday. When we begin to think about all the other things we could be doing this morning. When I look at the Word of God, I look at it this way. One, I make it personal. I make it personal because when I read it, I know Jesus is speaking to me. And I think that as we as a church and the body of Christ begin to read the word of God, we, we, we ask Jesus to speak to us, to tell us what does he want us to know? What does he want us to hear? What does he want us to see? See, when you read the word of God, don't say, you know, my husband needed this. I read this this morning, man, my husband, he really needed this. Oh, my wife, she was nagging me last night, but man, she needed to read this this morning. Boy, this would help straighten her right out. No. You see, God's word is designed for each one of us individually to speak to us. I love it when people tell me all the time, man, I wish my wife or my husband was here this morning. He need, they needed to hear this this morning. If God wanted them to hear this this morning, guess what? They'd be here. But we made it convenient, so now they can watch. So if you think they missed something, you have watch. You see, when I hold the Word of God in my hand, and each one of you this morning, if you have your Bibles, and you're holding it in your hand this morning, Jesus made it very plain. 
and precious is the Word of God. I think so many times we take things for granted. We take things for granted in our Christian life because we think that a lot of things we read aren't for us. It's for somebody else. Well, I know so-and-so could have used that this morning. I know so-and-so could have used this last week. Then be the gospel. What, pastor? Be the gospel. Start sharing the gospel with other people. You know, when we begin to share the gospel with others, then they're going to want to know, wait a minute, what? Oh, I like that, what they had to say this morning. Where did they get that from? And then you can begin to share where you got it from. There is eternal value in the Word of God. There is eternal value of salvation. When someone comes to Christ, they're saved. There's an opportunity for them to have an eternal reward. But church, the tragedy of America is being lost. The greatest nation in the world... Everybody has the opportunity to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's being lost. It's being covered up. Why? Because we have the agendas of all these other people out there that... How do I put this? I'm trying not to be political. But you're haters. They're going to put you in the cancel culture. Why? Because they don't want you sharing the gospel with other people. They don't want to be told that their lifestyle is wrong. Do you know that the registration of our Bible colleges across this nation are on a decline? Missionary work is on a decline. Why? Because the world is in slavery. The world is in slavery to sin. The tragedy of being lost in America today is dying of thirst at the springs of living water. Jesus himself gave us a warning. Be saved today. Today is the day of salvation. You know, if we don't receive the Lord Jesus Christ today, we may not have the opportunity once we step outside the doors of this church. That opportunity may be gone. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. It says, be strong and be of good courage. Anytime we attempt something for the first time or something we have failed at before or something that we think is too big for us, we'll experience both fear and failure. 
But you see, they go together. One will win out over the other. But they will never go away. You see, Israel had no idea what challenges awaited them or what life would be like in the promised land. But God told them, be strong and of good courage for your Lord, your God. He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And today, that is his promise to us too. When our forefathers came to America, they had no idea what was going to happen, what this was all going to be like, but they depended upon God and God made them a great nation. The great nation that we call America today. It's fear. It's the fear of failure that stops us most of the time. Yet as we look back, we realize that most times failure doesn't do permanent damage. We actually grow through it. Why? Because God shows us. You see, to go anywhere, we must launch out from where we are. We have to launch out from somewhere. Or you'll get nowhere. In America, an author said, the question for each man to settle is not what he would do if he had the means, time or influence, and education, advantages, but what will he do with the things that he has? What are we doing with the knowledge that God has given us? What are we doing with the privileges that God has given us? The world is constantly eroding the church, offering it more and more things, more allurements to pull you away from the word of God, pull you away from the body of Christ, rather than to pull you in. You see, there was a day, church, when they would have dinner on the grounds, Great hymn sings. Great times of fellowship together. But today we live in a society where we don't do those things. We went through a pandemic where we covered up our faces and stayed away from church. You know, I was watching the nightly news with Lester somebody or other. Holt, thank you. And do you hear what he said about churches in America? They have declined over the past 14 months by 34%. In the last 14 months, 34%. And some pastors are saying, we'll never get them back. We must confront our fears. Step out in faith and trust God for success. See, church, we're not doing that anymore. We're not stepping out in faith. We're not trusting God. We're just hoping for the best. That's what I heard a Christian tell me this week. Well, you know, Pastor, all we can do is hope for the best. Hope! Hope for the best. Don't tell me that. 
because I have a God who has promised me the best. He didn't say, oh, hopefully I'll bless you one day. He said, I will bless you. I will save you. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hope? Mm -mm. Success? Yes. Because I trust God. And I trust his word. And everything about it. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord God, for America. I thank you, God, for the opportunities that you have given us to worship you, to exalt you, to come together in your name, bringing glory, honor, and praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, this Independence Day, I pray today, God, above all things, help us again, Lord Jesus, to become the greatest nation in the world. Because we are a nation who is founded upon your principles. A nation who is calling out to you to heal her land. To restore her people. But Lord, that's going to take a great effort from the people in the body of Christ. To step up and to do their part. Lord, today I pray. As we go forward in you, may you, Jesus, give us the strength and the desire to serve the living God. To do all that is accordingly to your word. And I ask today, Father, bless again this nation, this body of Christ, for your service. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, I wanted to share this with our audience out there that we do have fun in our church hallelujah we can rock on for jesus isn't it great amen go in jesus today amen